to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, we are continuing in our series on the book of Daniel, and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is back with a message on credibility. You can go ahead and open up your Bible or your Bible app to Daniel chapter 2. And if you would like to find additional resources on this message or listen to our past messages, you can do so by going on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our Brookwood Church app. the goodness of God. Personally, I'm talking about. Well, let's give it up then. We return to our series called Living in a Foreign Land. And this series deals with Daniel's experiences in exile in Babylon. Today's message is entitled Credibility. If you'll take out your message guide, The first two panels are the outline for today's message, if you're new. The theme verse I've selected from this passage is Daniel chapter 2, verse 14. And it says, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. In other words, Daniel's actions created opportunities for influence. And I think it was because of his credibility. Well, what is credibility? Who knows? Somebody have a definition over here? What's credibility? Say it again. Being authentic is certainly part of it. It certainly ends up yielding credibility. But I'll give you just my definition that we'll work with. Credibility is believability based on living a consistent Christian life, which we dealt with consistency last week. Someone this morning shouted out trustworthiness, and that is a synonym, trustworthiness. See, credibility is the quality that causes people to want to listen to what you have to say and to have confidence in what they hear. Daniel was captured in Judah in 605 B.C. And he was taken to Babylon by King, what's his name? Nebuchadnezzar. That's right, I told you. that If Aubrey has a girl, we might name her Nebu. But <laughs> wherever she is, don't answer back. She's in here, I think. But <laughs> how does Daniel's experience 2,500 years ago in a very foreign culture, do you wonder how it relates to us? Anybody wonder that? How does this relate to us? Different time, different place, different culture. A couple of reasons. Has God changed? None. Has human nature changed? None. We are no different emotionally than those folks were right then. No different physically. We're probably a little bigger, a little healthier perhaps. But we're not any different. We don't think differently. We don't reason differently than those people. But also, because this scripture 
is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it was preserved for us, we can know that it not only had a meaning for the original audience, but with some adjustment for culture and context, it has a meaning for us today. Romans 15, 4. In fact, it's a good idea as you read a passage, ask, what does it say? What are the words literally? What does it mean? Because sometimes what, what it says isn't exactly what it means. It's like when you tell him, I really appreciate the way you help me in the kitchen. Is that what you mean? No, no, that's not what you mean. So it's what, what does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me today? So we do all those three. And you say, well, why are we living in a foreign land? Why did I title it this way if it applies to us today? I think that we are living in a foreign land that's becoming ever more foreign as time passes. We haven't been removed from the culture, but guess what? We've been exiled within the culture that's fast changing and declining. This is a culture where our Christian beliefs and our moral standards as believers are at least ignored or trivialized or criticized or ridiculed or called out of touch or even attacked. Some folks were here before the early service visiting for the first time and they have lived in Canada recently. And this man said to me that today in Canada, there's legislation that disallows pastors from, ref uh, from referring to married couples as husband and wife. They must only say partners. And if you see it in Canada, it won't be long before we feel the pressure here. We already feel it socially, but we may even one day feel it legislatively. Our responsibility in our changing culture is to follow Daniel's example and to exercise influence by rejecting compromise, by refusing silence, and instead, but hear this, by sensitively speaking biblical truth. Not harshly, not angrily. That, that leads no one to change. And here's the other thing. When God's speaking, you don't have to shout. When God's speaking, you can whisper God's truth. Because it's the Spirit of God that cuts it into their minds and hearts. And your force of delivery will always bounce off of them. So we speak biblical truth sensitively in an effort to lead people toward God. Now, in order for people to listen to what we have to say, we must have, 
What's the word? Credibility. Credibility. Which means they see us living according to what we say we believe. And if we're not, it means we're hypocritical. We're not demonstrating integrity. So why would they listen? If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't change you, why would you even say it to me? So living a consistent, godly life that reflects knowledge of God's Word. But let me tell you this now. Information isn't transformational. Everybody's got this lesson now, right? I don't, do I need to say this again? Keep it up now. We need to know the knowledge of God because it's true and it can give us guidance. But what we really need is personal intimacy with God and we need the Spirit of God to take God's truth and imprint it on our souls. And when God's truth, see, is written into you, in your heart, in your mind, you can't do anything but obey. Because suddenly it's who you are. It's changed your identity. Now, if we're intimate with God, if he's writing his truth on our hearts into our lives, then the people around you, they'll see it. Now, don't point anybody out. But you know, there's a few folks in here who get real mad at work. Is that true? Maybe it's the other service. <laughs> but if you have an intimate connection with God, you know what's happening? Is you're changing. And the people of around you, they don't have to be told you're changing. Because they're actually surprised at the changes and then they'll ask your opinion they'll first ask what is going on with you but when they have problems struggles fears troubles they'll come looking to see what you have to say so here's a question do you have credibility among your friends your family members your co-workers the last time someone had a problem, did they come to you? And are they interested in what you have to say about faith? You know, my mother, my dear mother died in November a year ago. And she had this expression. And she would say, don't come in here talking nasty around in this house. I don't want to hear any nasty talking. Well, some of y'all are nasty. You know what I'm saying? Well, not you, but that other service. There's a few. And you know, they just curse a blue streak. You know what I'm saying? When they're mad. Well, let me tell you this. Nobody's asking you where you go to church. When you're talking nasty all the rest of the week because if God's spirit's in you you can't even hide it it's going to show as you're being transformed from the inside out 
Now, you still need to try to do right through effort, but when the Spirit's doing it, it's just who you are now. Larry, you with me on this? So let's look at the background, Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to do some skipping because there's a lot of text, and some of it's not necessary for our purpose. One night during the second year of his reign, this is 603 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. That's interesting, isn't it? As they stood before him, he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. And we're going to skip down to 7. And they said again, well, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. And the king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say that if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. In verse five, he had said he would tear them limb from limb and turn their homes into heaps of rubble. So you can be so you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. It's a brilliant strategy, isn't it? If you really have this power, you can not only interpret the dream, you can tell me what it is first. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, and astrologer. How would they know? They're manipulating The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. Our God does. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Because, see, they were considered wise men. So the point of this, this message, as I've, as I've themed it, is how do we create credibility? Because I think we'll see that Daniel had credibility and it opened some opportunities. So we first create credibility by asking for opportunities to assist. Verse 14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Is that surprising? Now, who was Arioch? What, was, what task was he on? Say it loud. Ariok came to kill them, sword in hand. Daniel says, hold on just a minute with that sword. I want to know why the king is being so difficult. It does not make any sense that Ariok would have listened to the persons who said he was about to hack off. Does it? And then he released Daniel 
And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Doesn't make any sense, does it? When y'all read this book, I want you to read it close and don't think about, oh, this foreign land and they all have beautiful robes on. I want you to say, what if this happened in Simpsonville? Because they're the same as us. Daniel must have asked for an opportunity to speak to the king, right? It's not, it doesn't say it explicitly, but it's implicit. And Arioch, who was the head of the, the, the king's guard, so this is someone who was always near the king, allowed Daniel to go. Why would he do that? Because Daniel had believability. Daniel had credibility. Daniel was trustworthy. Or he never would have done that. It would have put Arioch's Antioch's life at risk, wouldn't it? The king says, you go kill him. And suddenly the guy you were supposed to kill, he shows up and he says, oh, king, I've got a question. The king, Arioch had confidence in Daniel. And not only that, he had confidence that the king would also receive Daniel. That right? He wouldn't have sent him otherwise, would he? So how did Daniel have all this credibility? Well, remember, this is three years in. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had been the most diligent students, remember? They had studied hard. They had learned the language. They had learned the customs. They had learned the history of Babylon. And they functioned with wisdom and integrity, with consistency of character, with, with behavior that was always appropriate. They used honest words and gracious actions for three years. And it provided an opportunity to save lives. See, some of us want this quick payoff. I got this job to do and you're in my way, so I'm going to cuss you out and push you away or fire you or whatever. Because we're not thinking about what might God have for me later if I'm consistent. Are you creating credibility? If I ask your coworkers right now and I said, hey, does, does uh, John, does Sue, does who, does, does she have credibility with you on spiritual matters? If you had a problem and you wanted to know what was the right way to act, would you go to him? Would you ask her? Now, some of you, how many of you have someone right now you would like to influence toward God? Let me see your hands. All right, you want a suggestion how to get it started? Anybody? Okay. It'll cost you something. Did you know that was coming? Serving others almost always affords an opportunity to influence. Serving. But it means some inconvenience and probably some sacrifice. You see what I'm saying? So 
If there's someone you'd like to speak to about faith, or you even want to speak to them about their lifestyle and help them, not because you want to condemn them, you want to help them toward Christ. You know the best way to do it? Volunteer to help. Volunteer to help. You know, somebody's about to move. And you start going, oh, my bell. Uh-uh. You say, I'll show up and I'll get a truck. And I'll pay for the truck. We start looking for all, I mean, looking around, you know, we're deaf, dumb, and blind, wanting somebody else to. Because listen, there is no worse job than moving. So that's when you show up. You know, when when we came here, Leanne and I, two little bitty girls, I needed to be able to get a hearing before some folks. So I offered to do some things I didn't have any skill at doing. And didn't want to do a bit. And there's one woman in our community. And I've seen her at church not long ago. Her sister's here now. She needed some help baling hay. Anybody ever bale hay? That's a terrible job, isn't it? Man, you have straw places you didn't know straw could get. And so I baled hay all day to get a chance to invite this family to church. Sometimes people need paint. Sometimes they need, they need you to help plant a bush, cut a tree down, pick up some kids after school, and then watch them. And I'm talking about changing some diapers. I mean some awful ones. You want to get an opportunity to influence? You change a few terrible diapers. You hear what I'm saying? But we just all, oh, oh God, please help them. No, no, God said, get to work. You've got the ability to do this. Go on. And so we wondered, they just won't listen. I mean... How many of you would listen to somebody that helped you do a really terrible job that you had to do? To create credibility, we must appeal to God for wisdom. Verse 17. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, What had happened? He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Daniel knew the power of praying together. Who has an issue that they need help in today? You need God to intervene. You got something? Let me see. You got. Okay, well, who's praying with you? Who have you told? Who are you, who are you meeting with? Need a need to call on God. There's power in praying people, and there's more power in more than one than power in one. 
We meet at 8.15 every Sunday morning. You know why? Because let me tell you this. I can be glib or I could do whatever. I could, you know, have a message finally put together. I know that's not usually possible, but let's assume. My words can't do anything in any of your lives unless the Holy Spirit takes his truth, which isn't usually even what I've said, and applies it to your life and your particular situation. So, yes, I study. Yes, the, the band and the musicians practice. We get ready. We do want to do our part with credibility. But you know what? The most important thing that happens on a Sunday is God shows up. Because, you see, when God says something to you, I'm a, some of y'all have already heard way too many sermons from me. Is that right, Chris? Way too many. But, <laughs> what'd she say? Well, then why are you still talking? But, but when the Spirit of God puts some truth in your mind and heart, you're different. And I can't do it. But the Spirit does it with no effort with no effort. So that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Now I'm going to skip down this. He said, jump to 23. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we ask of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Now read all of this, but I'm just skipping for time. Daniel knew the significance of prayer. I wonder if we do. He clearly understood, and he understood because he'd experienced that God could reveal to him not only the content of the dream, but the meaning of the king's dream. There are no, there are no barriers for God. The barrier is, are you bold enough to ask? We're scared we might ask something and we'd embarrass God because he wouldn't be able to do it. No, no. Pray audacious prayers. These men prayed for wisdom and insight for Daniel and God gave it. James 1.5. That's for us, James 1.5. See, to have credibility, we must be praying people who are intimate with God. Because it's only by, through intimacy with God that we don't look like just ordinary people. And to influence others toward God, it must be evident that God has had a transforming influence in our lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And somebody comes up and says, I don't know what's happened to you. But you don't not only act differently, you don't even look the same. Anybody had that happen to them? You don't even look the same. And only God-led people can guide others toward God. You can't Show where you've never been. 
Do we seek? Do we hear? Do we respond obediently to God's voice? Proverbs 2, verses 6 and 7. James 1 again, but read the whole thing, 5 through 8. You want to know, then don't be tossed around. You've got to say, you show me, I'm going. Now, listen, let me tell you, I am greatly heartened by this church. The, 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 the willingness to worship, the, the desire to hear is beyond what I've seen ever in the past. And, you know, many of you signed up for this Hearing God seminar from last Sunday, a wonderful seminar that some of our folks led. And so many of you signed up. They had to move it from the room it was going to be into this room, filled it up, and then they're going to have to do it again. Keep calling. Keep trying to hear God. He's talking. He's speaking. And you say, well, I need some help to hear it. I need to hear. I don't know what you're talking about. And don't be embarrassed if you don't know what I'm talking about. Just don't let that stop you. You know, sometimes it's our own self-critical thoughts that keep us from hearing God. But if you're God's child, he's talking to you. You say, I need some help. Well, we'll do another seminar. But let me tell you right now, you can call up the care ministry and say, I want someone to help me in transformation prayer, help me to hear God. And you can call the Be Encouraged house in the phone book at Simpsonville. Well, there's no phone book today, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's a sister ministry. And, you know, they'll help you hear God. And let me tell you this. When you really hear God, you are changed. You were changed. I didn't say when you hear a sermon for Perry. I said when you hear God, you'll be changed. To create credibility also, and that's a sister ministry, the encouraged house. Uh, To create credibility, we must attribute benefit to God. Chapter 2, verse 24. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch. And then it's interesting and it's kind of humorous that, that it's written in here again. Whom the king had ordered to kill him. <laughs> had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. But look what Daniel said. Now look what Daniel said. Don't kill the wise men. Take them to the king. Take me to the king and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Would you have done it in that order? Would you have done it in that order? Now, you might as an afterthought say, well, don't kill them either. Most of us are most worried about what? Ourselves. Daniel went first and said, don't kill any of them. Before he even went to the king. I want you to see the God likeness in Daniel. Because he's tried first to save the lives of these men. Now, Daniel used his insight from God to benefit these men. And these men, I mean, well, they'd appreciate having their lives saved, wouldn't they? Don't you think so? But they would resent who did the saving. You ever had someone do something nice to you that you despised? Yes. Thank you for your honesty. They're just not being honest around you. But they would have resented that he was the one 
that saved their heads because they envied his ability. They were jealous of his position. They didn't like it that he got closer to the king than they could. But Daniel could do no other because God's work must always be done in God's way. So that God alone gets the glory. Matthew 5, 16. You know, perform your works before men so that they will glorify whom? God, because they look at you and they say, there's no way that's coming from her. There's no way he generated this. This is... This has to be God. Verse 25. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. What do y'all notice there? I, notice I said, I have found someone who can interpret your dream. I mean, he's attempting to take some credit because he's trying to be self-serving and ingratiate himself to the king. Verse 27, Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, and this is, he's speaking to the king here, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I tell you, I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. See, people who have spiritual credibility, they know that their blessings, that their talents, that their opportunities, that their successes, and yes, even their wealth are all gifts from God who deserves all the credit for them. But people who don't really know God really do think they're responsible for the good that befalls them. Now, now usually, you know, they'll give God a little lip service. I thank God for this. It's good that God knows me and he knows what I'm pulling off here. But when we know God, it's ridiculous that we try to take credit. Isn't it? It doesn't even make any sense. We'd be afraid to say it because it's so ludicrous. It's interesting over, I've been here 25 years. And I have seen a number of, of things in that time. I've seen, you know, some instances when people had a big windfall coming financially. You know, there was a death and there was a, a bequest that was you know, the ship was coming in. And I've, I've had other people say, you know, that the family farm is right here in Fountain Inn and, and it's hundreds of acres. And, um, 
now people want to buy it to put a development in. And so we're about to sell the family farm. And we're going to just make a very generous con contribution in these instances. How many times was the contribution made? Almost never. And almost always reduced greatly if it showed up at all. Because see, when you first get that idea, you think, oh, how gracious. But by the time that check lands in your hand, somewhere in the process, you figured out, I did this. I deserve this. This is mine. Now, y'all know I'm about to come home to you. Now, let me say this. There was uh, one very big exception. A, a man sold a business and gave an unbelievably generous contribution to the church. And it allowed the church to pay off all of its debt, which opened the door to us beginning the work in India. And I hope that you're pleased to know that up to this point, Brookwood Church, as a church budget, has given over $9 million dollars for these disadvantaged. And, and we're just starting. I mean, these are untouchable kids. The government won't help them. No one will do anything for them, but they're God's children, see? And so we've got more work to do. Now on that, y'all, some of y'all, and that doesn't include any of you that are given individually month by month, but, and you heard that there's leadership change at the Set Free organization that worked with us. But let me tell you, Brookwood Church, we're confident with the direction, with the leadership, and we're going to keep supporting. And I hope, I hope that you will show up because there are plenty of kids that we need to feed, educate, lead to Christ. Because that whole nation could change from being an extremely pagan, hostile to Christ nation. But, but it'll, it'll take us all. So I know y'all are going to be getting some checks from insurance. I mean, from your IRS. <laughs> and if you get anything from the IRS, you need to say, how much of this should go to God first? First. Verse 29. Oh, no, no, I said it, and it'll just make y'all miserable. Some of y'all will have diarrhea all afternoon after I said that. <laughs> Verse 29. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Look at this. He kept emphasizing God. He kept emphasizing God. He kept emphasizing God. But the reason he did was because he really knew it was God. You see what I'm saying? Some of us do this false modesty thing. He just knew. He wasn't touching it. He knew it was God. I mean, what about us? Do we try to, do we try to raise our status by taking credit for what God, only God, can do? It's interesting to me how when people pray for healing and someone gets miraculously healed, they kind of take credit and, become, and start a ministry. Send me some money, I'll give you a prayer cloth. God does the healing. Verse 31. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. 
It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from the mountain, but not with human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Which leads us to the next point, the last point. To create credibility, we must answer honestly, but kindly. But kindly. 36. That was the dream. Now we will tell you, the, tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you're the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. Again, he names who gave it to him, but he says he has it. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited, inhabited world and has even put you, even put the wild animals and birds under your control. I think he's exaggerating there. You are the head of gold. And it's a reference to the Babylonian kingdom that would exist from 636 to 539 B.C. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. That's the, the uh, Medo-Persian kingdom, 539 to 330 B.C. So what you see is that Iran conquered Iraq even back then. And after that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. That's the Greek kingdom, 330 to 63 B.C. And following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, as strong as iron. The kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. And that's the Roman Empire. 63 B.C. to 475 A.D. Now we skip to 44 just for time. During the reigns of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. What kingdom is that? That's the kingdom of God. And his point is that the kingdom of God has been building through all these earthly kingdoms. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. This is the meaning of the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Cut from the mountain. That's the mountain of God. That's the Godhead. Not by human hands that, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. And the great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. Daniel communicated God's revelation honestly, but he was gentle and he was even positive with Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not sure about that comment about the animals obey you, but, but we'll give him that. But he talked about the superiority of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom over these other kingdoms. Now get this, Daniel proved he had this special power when he told the king what the dream was, right? He could have told him anything after that. He could have certainly told him something that wouldn't be threatening instead of something that could have made the king fearful and then furious. But he didn't. Because he was more concerned with honoring God than he was 
fearful of the king. Are we like that? We're responsible for communicating God's truth to our culture, to our families, to our friends. And when we address matters of faith and morality, do we do so honestly, but gently speaking truth in love? Ephesians 4.15. If you feel yourself being ang- angry, that's not time to talk. Because difficult messages must be delivered gently, lovingly, with a prayer that God would communicate it to the person's mind and heart. You won't force, you can force a child's body into obeying. You can't even get to a child's mind and heart. So do we try to say the hardest things in the kindest, most positive way possible? The result was the reward, and I'll just quickly bounce through this. The king threw him down himself before Daniel, and then the king tried to worship Daniel, and he told the people to offer sacrifices to Daniel. So the king didn't understand what was going on. But the king did say, truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, the revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this secret. Now, is Nebuchadnezzar converted here? No. He's just acknowledging what's true. He's still polytheistic, so he doesn't mind adding another God. But what we'll see is that God is closing in. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him gifts and made him ruler over a province and chief of the wise men. And then at Daniel's request, he brought in his other three friends. And so they were officers in that administration. Here's the point for us. If we will seek to create credibility by living consistent lives, we will be given opportunities to influence for God. But we have to trust the results to Him. You be sure that your attitude, your tone, your heart is right, but you don't control the end. You only manage the means. And then you pray for God to carry out the ends. Counselors will be here. They're here to pray with you. They're here to anoint with oil for healing. They're here to talk with you. Come on down, counselors. Father, I thank you for your word. Help us to be a people who desire to honor you above honoring ourselves or anyone else. And Lord, may your words go forth and may you conform our culture to your son and bring many people to faith. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.